Hey, you wanna buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and listen to unanimous indecision. I want to go home and listen to unanimous indecision. That's right, we're back every week. I'm Joshua Troop. It's just me this week, but that's okay. We'll suffer through it together. Um, it is May 4th when I'm recording this, so may the force be with you because I don't have a lisp. And for those people that do, that's perfectly okay too. But anyways, because um, that's all I think about when people say may the fourth be with you, um, is that you have a lisp. But uh, may the force be with everyone today. Um, and as you know, I notoriously hate Star Wars, so we're not going to be talking about that today. Because uh, why would we? Why, why would we talk about Star Wars on this arbitrary day that people have chosen? Um when there's so much better things to talk about. I mean, um, just just to be clear, it is just me here. So I'm, I'm go going a little stir-crazy talking to myself, but that's okay. Uh, if you're new listening to us, um, normally I have a guest joining me, um, and we're just talking about the things we love, whether that's superheroes, not Star Wars. It's never Star Wars, especially if you listened to last week or the last few weeks it's never star wars uh hate that franchise um and then uh or any other movies that we're watching shows anything that's interesting that's uh just fun to talk about uh so the first thing i wanted to talk about uh is i was catching up on the supergirl dc tv show uh on the cw and I mean, it's a fine show. Uh, like I said in our, uh, Austin and my crisis review, um, which was a pretty exciting uh, event, even though it was kind of all over the place, but uh, that we were looking forward to where Supergirl went. And Supergirl's pretty, more or less been delivering. I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, but uh, there's this whole like VR thing that. Uh, they're slowly, obviously everyone's going to get trapped inside of it one day. Um, but, uh, like any other good VR in television and movies, because, uh, nobody ever it plans for these things, which is something I want to get at because I, I thought it was the most astounding line of dialogue. Like... You could have made the mistake, but the line of dialogue I thought was just so absurd. And I forget who said it, but someone talking about this VR that they've created. Because um, like, you completely go to sleep in it. It's like your, immer your immersion into another like reality kind of thing. Um, that you're not really cognizant um, in our reality. And uh, so like they're... They they come up with so the way you get out is like in simulation you say that and then you it ends um, if it doesn't end and I guess it reads like your vitals and if something bad is gonna happen a red button pops up as a fail safe and all you have to do is touch it so th there you go that that's their ways to get you out of it I was like that's probably the worst ways but that's okay um, and so. Uh, during one of these episodes, I think it was last week's episode, uh, they 
this one guy who's getting revenge on uh i forget if he knew him in real life but just some dude who's uh who his wife is cheating on him with <laughs> if you can make that triangle uh and so he's getting revenge on that dude um and he does it by hacking it i mean he's a uh computer scientist enthusiast kind of thing he's, he's got a few skills i guess and so he hacks the vr code and disables this dude's failsafe so he can't get out and he can torture him and everything and it's all not good um but like then this one of the characters has this line that like oh when we created this technology we didn't expect anyone to use it for malicious intent or something. And I was just like, are you kidding me? You didn't expect it? I was like, technology in general is just a tool. Whether it's a hammer to build houses or a hammer to bludgeon someone with. It's just a hammer. It's just a tool. Um, and they talk about a lot of the positive applications of it, which I think is really cool. They talk about how, like, it can be used to help PTSD um, and other psychological um, st stuff. Uh, it, it's probably really helpful with those, um, especially psychosomatic people um, when it comes to not necessarily actual illnesses, um, but just self-imposed ones. And so, like, they, they do talk about the benefits of it, and they really build up the benefits of it. But then that line that you didn't think that anyone would use your completely full immersion reality to <laughs> for malicious intent. And, and, like, they even talk about, like, the affair was completely unforeseen. Because they weren't having an affair in real life, whoever this random couple in the TV show was. <laughs> they were having an affair in the VR reality. Um, so, like, they were like, oh, that's kind... There, there's kind of an ethical debate there. Is that actually cheating? It's as close as you can get to cheating, maybe without cheating. But uh, it's, like, pretty wild. I, and they were just like, yeah, I can't believe they would use it for that. I was like, you can't believe that? Are you kidding me? Um, like, I, I, I don't know that I just thought that was really funny and I wanted to talk about it. Um, other than that, the show's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's coming good. I'm interested to see where it ends up because, uh, like all DC properties and I've mentioned it before, for some reason, DC doesn't know how to build up to anything except for dark side. Um, even though they did a pretty good job building up to, uh, the monitor uh which in itself is kind of a precursor to dark side but uh they they did a good job of setting up the monitor and the dc tv shows uh but i'm pretty sure that one of the characters who's supposed to be part of this alien organization or whatever i'm pretty sure she's supposed to be granny goodness who is not a good character or a good grandmother uh, which is probably the worst part about her. Um, but she's an agent of Darkseid, and um, she's usually depicted with mind control stuff, hence the VR, maybe. Um, 
that's how they did it in uh, the Young Justice animated show also. So, I don't know, kind of feels like rehashing interpretations. Um, she was also a character in the last season of Smallville. Um, so, uh, she, she's been around the block, especially in recent media, um, which is why I think that's who it is. Uh, could be someone else. Uh, if you're watching the show, you know exactly who I'm talking about. If not, let's move on. Uh, I heard something today um, that I was excited about, if if true, big if true, uh, that Sylvester Stallone tweeted um, that he said, he claims that Demolition Man 2 is in production. Not in production, but uh, they're, they're working on it. Uh, it. The door's open for it. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if we're, it's ever going to see the light of day. Um, but I'm super excited for this because I really like Demolition Man. It's very funny. Um, it's a super enjoyable just action movie. Um, it's like one of those movies just like in the middle of Sylvester Stallone's career that's such an absurd concept about like being put in cryo sleep but then waking up and still fighting the same guy <laughs> um, years later after. Because uh, the criminal he went after also went through cryosleep, and why not? But uh, it's just like, it's such an absurd concept. And uh, Sandra Bullock's in it. But uh, yeah, it'd be cool if they could get everyone back and do a sequel to that. I'd be super into that. Uh, I would be curious if they would go back into cryosleep. I don't remember how it ended. Um, if they would go back into cryosleep and then wake up again in in a further future um or if we'll just be like 20 years after whatever dystopian future that they're in because it's clearly not our universe um or if it's more like uh or if they are going to try and bring it more into our uh what is now our present but i guess they had no way of knowing that the future was going to look like it does. Um, anyways, other cool stuff that I was listening to is um, they, so we talked, I believe last week about uh, silver and black. That's the silver sable and black cat Spider-Man series um, or movie. I should say that there was talk buzz rumor uh, quote from the director <laughs> Um, of this project that I didn't even think was still happening. Um, she was saying it could maybe go to Disney Plus, which would be interesting because Sony and Disney don't necessarily get along very well. Um, however, it seems like they have come to some sort of... Uh, we, we say they came to an agreement before when they first shared Spider-Man, but I actually think this new agreement they've come to is a lot more interesting, even though we know less about it, uh, because all of a sudden the Sony people are really talking about Disney Plus. Um, they recently came out and started talking about other Spider-Man Disney Plus series. Um, not necessarily Spider-Man himself, but uh, characters from Spider-Man, which I really hope is true because then we'll also get, uh, hopefully, um, all of the Spider-Man movies onto Disney Plus, which means a lot of 
all of the good MCU, all of the MCU stuff, more or less will be in the same place. I think the last one they'd just have to get is Incredible Hulk. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Um, and so, which probably won't be too hard since Universal has kind of just given them free reign with the character, but they still take a chunk of the proceeds whenever. So, uh, yeah, and, and so that begs the question, though, other Spider-Man character Disney Plus series, you think, like, one of the go-to characters um, who's not a villain, since Sony loves their villains so much, uh, who's not a villain, is was in um, Into the Spider-Verse, and I'm not talking about Miles Morales, because I think uh, that's probably going to be the only place he'll be in, at least for a little bit. Um is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and we're getting a sequel to that. We just got a teaser for it, uh, which is really cool. It didn't really show anything, but, uh, it's cool. Uh, hopefully there's more Spider-Verse characters, other Spider-Men, Spider-Lings. And, uh, because if you haven't seen that movie, uh, it's, it might be the greatest Spider-Man movie ever created, and Peter Parker's not even necessarily the main character. He he's sort of, but not really. Uh and it's it's really good. It's really solid. Uh But yeah, other Spider-Man series, the other uh, another prominent character in that movie was Spider-Gwen, uh who's also coming back for the sequel of Spider-Verse, but I was think I was reading up on it and uh in the Marvel TV shows, I don't think she voiced it for the movie. Maybe she did. Uh, let me let me look that up while I'm talking about this. Um, but yeah, Spider Gwen is the one in the white suit. Uh, it's supposed to be Gwen Stacy, alternate reality uh, kind of thing. And then let's see if I can find this real quick. Okay, it is. So yeah, so Haley Steinfeld voice acts uh, Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, oh, I guess she doesn't do it normally. I I thought she always voiced Gwen Stacy. I was wrong. Okay, so yeah, so she voices uh, Spider-Gwen in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Haley Steinfeld was also slated to play Kate Bishop in the which is essentially the successor to Hawkeye um in the Disney Plus TV show Hawkeye that we are supposed to be getting we're expecting to get that um early next year or at the end of this year um however that that was supposed to be Hawkeye was the fourth show we're supposed to be getting seven shows uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh which we're getting in August WandaVision I think is November or December uh, Loki, I think, is February or March. Uh, and then we were supposed to be getting Hawkeye in that first wave, and then we're getting She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and Moon Knight in whatever order they choose to present them in. But Hawkeye, which was supposed to be part of the first slate, we found out was pushed. There was even talk that Hawkeye was going to be the first one to come out to us. So it's very interesting that they pushed that one. And it was around, give or take, the same time that the Spider-Man discussion was happening. So I wonder if uh, there was something that they were like, oh, wait, you're using Haley Steinfeld for Hawkeye? Well, what if you don't do that 
And what if we steal her and continue using her as Spider-Gwen, maybe in her own series? Um, that's what I think might end up happening for Haley Steinfeld in the MCU. Um, it sounds like she's destined to be in something. Uh, it's just a matter of what, uh, whether that's Kate Bishop or Gwen Stacy. Um, obviously, she's already been Gwen Stacy, Spider-Gwen in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. She'll do that again in the sequel. Um, I just think they would prefer it since she kind of has an idea about the character after portraying it once, maybe twice. Uh, the other recent Spider-Man news we got is uh, Sony decided to give a name to their universe, which I think is weird, though. Uh, that th This was a move that I wasn't anticipating um, because I kept talking about how and, and I was still I'm still saying this today uh, <laughs> how I think the deal the new deal the new deal between uh, Spider-Man and between Sp <laughs> about Spider-Man uh, between uh, Disney and Sony uh, that FDR drafted of course uh, the new deal uh, about Spider-Man I do think it is a more uh open sharing agreement um and both because both sides keep talking about like how easy it will be to renew this one which is interesting uh but then like we see uh vulture in the morbius movie which supposedly is not canon to the mcu we hear about other spider characters potentially going on to disney plus so there there's a lot of things happening that are relationships between them. so it's a weird move that sony would name their universe of spider-man characters um they're i i've always been calling it the venomverse uh because venom seems to be the leading spiderling in that universe um and then spider-man to the spider-verse is also kind of its own thing uh so my question is, before I get to the topic, uh, now, do you know, I'll say what it is because it's, it's ridiculous. So th there was a rumor at first that it was going to be uh, Spider-Man universe of characters, Spider-Man's universe of characters, which if you figure out what that acronym is, it's SUC, S-U-C, clearly not a great name. Uh, <laughs> uh, however, uh, tough to say if it's any better than the one they actually went with in their board meeting. And it just goes to show you that no one should be making serious decisions right now during uh, the time that they're trapped inside their house and coming up with absurd ideas. So uh, the name they came up with is Spumpk. That's S-P-U-M-C, uh, which, yes, I know that's five letters. It's ridiculous. Um, go, go ahead, pause this video, write down what your guess is, what S-P-U-M-C stands for. Um, otherwise I'm going to tell you in just a moment, but this is absolutely ridiculous. This is a terrible name. Spumpk? S-P-U-M-C? Is it better to call it as the acronym? It's exhausting. S-P-U-M-C. Uh, but if you say Spumpk, like, that's not a very attractive name. <laughs> like, that's also ridiculous. Uh... So I don't know what the heck they're doing. So what it stands for, uh, I understand why they went with this, but uh, Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters. And th th 
they got to name it this, right? Because Sony loves to put their name on everything they make. Um, hence the whole Spider-Man debate. Uh, so they love putting their name on it. I love that they do get the Sony pictures in there. They keep the pictures. And it's Universe of Marvel characters because to the untrained eye, you might believe that they only own Spider-Man characters, which would be true even though they own some 900 characters, but like they're all Spider-Man and probably 600 of those characters are like uh, one-off characters from the comic books. And then 50 of them are just different versions of Spider-Man. So like, yes, they own a lot of Spider-Man characters, but like uh, universe of Marvel characters, like that's ridiculous. I don't, I don't know. Uh <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, what's really funny though is, and I'm going to do this again, cause when they announced this a few days ago, I looked it up and, ah, dang it. Okay. So, okay. It is still number four as of May 4th when I'm looking this up. Uh, but when I first typed it in, when I first heard about this, I looked it up and I could not find a Sony article, um, basically on the first page of Google. Um, I had to go to the second page to find anything related to Sony because there has been a pre-established website, you know, there's spunk.org, um, that's been around for quite some time because SPUMC, until a week ago, until a few days ago, has always stood for Severna Park United Methodist Church. When you search Spunk, if you're doing it now, maybe in two months and you search Spunk, maybe all you'll find is Spider-Man stuff. But this poor church, <laughs> this poor church who has completely cornered the market of Spunk. Uh, <laughs> and like they, they have a ton of articles. I mean, still on the front page of Google, half the articles are about this church and the other ones are about Spider-Man. Um, but on the day I looked, the first page was all about the church. The second page had one article about Spider-Man, and then there were a few more as you went later into the search list. Um, but yeah, so this church just completely got uh, their, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, not PR, because churches don't really have, but uh, <laughs> their, just their, their IP name, <laughs> I don't know, is that what you call it? Um, just their name, uh, Taken. And I think they should complain to Sony, which would help us all out because then Sony should change their name. Uh, not Sony, but Spunk should change its name from Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters. Because this poor church. I mean, what do they do? Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, SPUMC, you decide whether you want to call it the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters or the Severna Park United Methodist Church. I'm expecting the next Spider-Man movie to be an extremely Christian-related movie, because if it's not, that's just disappointing. Uh, but it begs the question. It begs the question, right? You have all these executives coming up with a decision for this, or maybe it's not a lot of them, but, uh, and someone just came up with an idea and was like, this is this is too golden to pass up. The, the only thing we have to beat out for uh, to get, flood google is a church which we can easily do you're 100 percent correct uh you can definitely do that as a big production studio 
I I are I, I can already think of why you don't go with this name, but I do wonder why you don't go with this name. Um, and it's just Spider Verse. And there is a potential problem, and there's even a potential problem with calling it Venomverse, even though that's what I've been calling it. Uh, because you don't want to call it Spider-Verse because, interestingly enough, the only movie that's not necessarily included is the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie. Um, unless we are seeing two different things full unfold. And that there will be Spunk, which will be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and its spin-offs, And then the Venomverse, or as what I've been calling it, which includes Venom, now Morbius, it'll include Venom 2. Uh, maybe those movies are getting folded into the MCU. I don't know. There's pure speculation. Um, just based on the things we've been seeing, the things we've been reading, the conversations that have been happening. So uh, Sony's using Disney Plus to build out their spunk, uh, their, their <laughs> Sony's church. Uh, and uh, while at the same time they're saying, okay, and we're also going to build up other movies and make money off them for the MCU. I don't know. I don't know. That, that to me seems like it could be a beneficial arrangement I mean, of course, if the stories are good. If the stories aren't good, it could be called Spunk, and it won't even work, <laughs> uh, despite such a such a fantastic name. Uh, in spite of that wonderful name of Spunk, it will fail. Uh, I no, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I say we say this all the time on Unanimous Indecision that like as long as you tell a good story, who cares? who cares what you're called uh, no one's gonna like yeah sure maybe we're all looking back 10 years from now we're like yeah spunk is still a weird name but if we're like oh and the new spunk movie that's coming out about craven the hunter like <laughs> i don't know uh or the new spunk electro movie like uh if they're that good that we say mcu's avengers uh spunk's uh craven the hunter Spumsk's Venom 7 uh, Venom 7 Return of the Rhino I don't know <laughs> uh, and so like it's just such a weird name why would you do that uh, I want to call attention to what this one guy said his name is Robert Meyer Burnett I think he said it on uh, this other guy John Campia's YouTube channel um, and I thought his description of n the naming conventions um, was so spot on that uh, so like whether you call it DCEU or DCU uh, at one point they called it DCEU which is why most people call it the DC Extended Universe um, and then there was a point where they dropped the E which was like I don't know why the E was there in the first place uh, other than going to the point that I make every week that DC, everything is canon in DC, just in their own universes. Uh, much like some people make in their head canon for Marvel, but, uh, but not confirmed. And then, uh, and then at one point they were calling it the world of DC. So, so DC has been moving their names around, but focusing on the DCEU, DCU, also, with the MCU, um, Robert Burnett brought up this 
really great point and he's like a pretty big time i believe he's a screenplay editor um and he talked about how why that like the mcu is such a good name why dceu is such a good name it's because it ends in the u much like what what else in our society is a handful of letters in an acronym format that ends in a u colleges so it has this sort of um educated prestige to it that we respect uh, innately i don't know if spunk necessarily has the same ring to it i don't know if i'm going to that college the the spunk college uh but that's besides the point sony pictures universe of marvel characters or as i like to call it the saverna park united methodist church as it was originally sony's church uh, will be moving forward. Unclear exactly which uh, <laughs> uh, characters will be in which. A lot of people are thinking that it's just going to include everything because it's so broad, the universe of Marvel characters. So it includes Into the Spider-Verse and Morbius and Venom. But it's like... <sighs> It's weird because I don't think that Into the Spider-Verse is in the same universe as them. Um, um, if you start telling me they're on different planets, I will accept it. But considering that's one of the huge premises of Into the Spider-Verse, so it's not too far-fetched. Um, so you could definitely make that argument for sure. Uh, but we will all be saying Spunk for the near future, although I won't be surprised if it's renamed because everyone seems to hate it which is why I hope they don't change it, um, despite them uh, steamrolling a church. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm making a big deal about this church because I thought it was so funny that when I typed that in, the first 15 results were about this church uh, and their COVID-19 preventive me measures. But yeah, Spunk. That's the future of Sony Pictures, Universal Marvel characters. You you decide whether it's good or not. I've made my decision, and I'm sure you can tell that I love it. Um, so, as you can see by the title, I told you we're not going to talk about Star Wars, and the title has nothing to do with Star Wars, obviously, uh, which is why we're only going to be talking about the best Star Wars, um, which, in my opinion... And my opinion is always wrong, which is why we're called unanimous indecision, uh, is the Clone Wars TV show. I love this show. I even like the really bad arcs, um, which is why you should always take my opinion with a grain of salt whenever I diss the sequels, because um, I'll admit there's some rough uh, story arcs in the Clone Wars TV show. Um, there's some rough dialogue in the prequels, and yet I still watch it time and time again uh that being said i don't mind re-watching the sequels it's just they're not as enjoyable to me personally um because i mean i have a nostalgia factor uh i Sp spider-man's uh, spider-man jeez wow uh we're back to spunk already see i told you we weren't gonna talk about star wars we're gonna talk about spunk for the next hour uh and i'm talking about the church uh <laughs> Yeah, Star Wars has been pretty close to my heart uh, for a long time. Um, I mean, uh, it's just like always been around in my life. Uh, I think 
we watched it as a family when I was really young. Um, arguably too young for like Empire Strikes Back, uh, and maybe even A New Hope. Watching Obi Wan die, but uh, we still watched it. Uh, I think Revenge of the Sith was the first in theater PG thirteen movie I watched. I don't really remember anything else before that. Um, which not to say I wasn't watching PG-13 movies, but the first one I went to see in theaters, um, which had some wonderful decapitations and uh, limb cutting off like all good Star Wars and <laughs> its dark themes of temptation, desire for power, secrecy, and corrupt governments, uh, which is what every eight-year-old needs in their life uh but the which is why i really love the clone wars because clone wars continues that and uh clone wars finished today on may 4th uh which is really cool um that they would um because as far as i know may may the fourth be with you so to speak uh is completely a fan created uh thing and it just became so catchy that Star Wars officially recognized it, and now everyone officially recognizes it. So much so that uh, all the headlines on Disney Plus are Star Wars things today. Uh, but so Clone Wars just finished up today, released its last episode. Uh, even though it was having Friday releases, uh, they sped up the last episode to be four days early to come out on this Monday. Um, and it was so good. Uh, wrapping up ahsoka's arc during the clone wars uh and kind of darth maul's who yes has returned if you haven't seen solo a star wars story or previous clone wars episodes uh is really good it was a pretty dark story um it was kind of a return to format there were a few decapitations a few limbs being cut off <laughs> uh but we get to see order 66 uh from a bit more of a clone's perspective a little bit, um, as well as Ahsoka, which is something we hadn't seen before. Uh, but yeah, this final arc, it's really cool because it starts with basically just before Revenge of the Sith picks up. Um, she catches up with Anakin and Obi-Wan, uh, and they're like, and she asks them to come help them in Mandalore. Uh, yeah, I know the Mandalorian Sea connections. This is why you should be watching this show. And, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan want to help, uh, but they they consult the council, uh, and they're like, Mandalore is always claimed, not always, but in the recent years, always claimed it's a an independent system. It can take care of itself, so why should the Republic devote any resources to it? Um, and it's because Darth Maul is there. That's why the Jedi need to, the Republic doesn't need to, but the Jedi need to devote resources to it um, to go stop uh the Sith who lived. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, though, the Chancellor gets kidnapped. How could this happen? Of course, we see what is the result of that kidnapping at the very beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So we see the, the moments just leading up to uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. And then Ahsoka goes on her journey instead of going to Coruscant with 
uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan to go save the Chancellor. She goes on her journey to go stop Darth Maul on Mandalore. And it's pretty epic because Darth Maul has kind of, he's still, he's still a Sith at this point. Um, and you could say he's probably always still a Sith, but he definitely realizes he's been betrayed at the highest degree. Um, and he's just trying to figure out uh, his, his place, what his place will be in the new world order that he, that he knows is coming because of Darth Sidious. Uh, after Order 66. He doesn't exactly know what's coming specifically, um, but it becomes really epic. We see the clones turn on Ahsoka, um, just like we saw the clones turn on every other Jedi. <laughs> um, Captain Rex does some really cool things. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much of it, um, especially when uh, he gets the Order 66 method uh because even when he is executing Order 66, uh, he hesitates. Because um, even though they have those inhibitor chips to uh, encourage them to make them more complacent when following orders, uh, that it's it should they should follow it to the T. But you see a few moments where Rex and and other clones even have their doubts about Order 66, but ultimately they're like orders are orders because they're bred to be soldiers and nothing more um but we see along the way that a few of them do kind of break the 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 main flow i need to sneeze real quick and since i just brought attention to it i'm not going to so that's wonderful uh but yeah the clone wars finale was awesome uh I'm really excited to rewatch those four episodes together um, as kind of a movie of itself, which is what I've always been arguing is that every Clone Wars arc should be cut in such a way that it's a movie, even though there's definitely a few like jump cuts from like within the same arc from like an episode two to an episode three. They're just like all of a sudden somewhere else that's still important to that arc. Um, but some, some of the arcs work a little better for it. Um, I just think it would be highly entertaining uh, as much as the show already is. Uh, there's still a lot of unanswered questions that the show brings up, and it's because the show does such a great job at world building. Um, like, what happens to the other Jedi that are introduced? I'm talking Padawans. Uh, we actually get to see Kanan Jarrus, um, who is the Jedi in the Rebels TV show, which is really cool. Um how do Ahsoka and Rex split up? Because we know that they're not immediately together uh, when we find them in Rebels. So there, there's still stuff to address. Um, and so it makes me wonder that like we're, we're definitely getting more of Ahsoka's story. So it's just a question of how, what medium. Uh, we are pretty confident. Um <laughs> uh, considering Rosaria Dawson was casted for Ahsoka uh, in The Mandalorian. We're pretty confident that we're getting stuff there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me that we get we would get a Ahsoka spinoff show, but that means it would probably take place in that time just after The Empire Falls. Um, however, I do wonder if there's there's other interesting time, and maybe it would be cool if, 
I, I don't necessarily want them to do it in a flashback <laughs> uh, method because I don't know that uh, the flashbacks do too much in The Mandalorian. They're not that helpful. You could just tell us that he was saved by Death Watch. Uh, whereas, which are Mandalorians, uh, and that's why he is a Mandalorian. Um, although it was super cool to see some live-action droids again. Uh, I was super excited about that. But they weren't that important of flashbacks. Um, so I would argue don't do flashbacks. Just tell us in one sentence <laughs> how he was found. Uh, uh, or tell us what foundlings are. Either way. doesn't matter. Uh, it's past. Whereas like Ahsoka would be cool if... Because the alternative is to this that I see is maybe you do another Ahsoka show, whether it's animated or live action in between what we already know about her, which is her place during the clone wars all the way up till the end uh, until, and then the last time we see her is in rebels. Uh, so where there's like 15 years there that we don't see her uh, 17 years, maybe because um, their movies are 19 years apart. We see her a little bit, after Revenge of Sith, a little bit before A New Hope, so whatever. Um, so it would be interesting to find out what her story is for those 17 years. Um, I mean, th that's the period of time that everyone's so curious about, oh, what was Obi-Wan doing for 19 years in between Episode 3 and 4? So what's Ahsoka doing? Uh, maybe it's not that interesting. Maybe we don't need to know. Uh, but otherwise, I, I kind of hope... Uh, I don't know, I really like the transitionary period in Star Wars from uh, the Republic to the Empire. Like, it's a really cool geopolitical uh, development. <laughs> uh, especially the way everyone within the Star Wars universe talks about it and what we know about it. It's really cool. Uh, but then they... Uh, but I think it would also be cool if we do get that live action Rosario Dawson Ahsoka series that takes place after Return of the Jedi uh, it would be cool if like the stuff she's talking about is from those 17 years or also she'd probably talk about Rebels a lot because at the very end of Rebels uh, a character went missing and she very clearly said that she was going to go find that character uh, along with someone else who's looking for the dark or has the dark saber. So how did they lose the dark saber? And that shows back up in the Mandalorian is very interesting, super nerdy, but that's what we're doing here today. So get over it. Um, I also, uh, I heard this mentioned, uh, by on the YouTube channel, star Wars theory. Um, and I hope it's true. Cause if it's true, it is one of the most poetic storytelling things ever and it's like so minor um so the clone wars ends on a planet as most star wars things do they end um on planets um or moons um and so the this idea was that perhaps the uh the venator which is the clone wars star destroyers uh the, it crashes and potentially it lands it lands on some planet or moon um and the idea is that what if it's bogdan and okay well what the heck is bogdan that's just cool wow it's some planet that doesn't really have a lot known about it you're right there's not a lot known about bogdan except for one thing 
one thing and it's a line in attack of the clones which for a lot of people is the worst movie ever but it's a line in there and it's Django fett i was hired by a man named tyrannus on the moons of bogdan and so if it ends on bogdan remember this is the end as far as we know maybe we'll get some more uh episodes that take place in different times throughout the clone wars just other stories uh throughout that time period maybe but as far as we know this is the end again of the clone wars tv show and but how apt is it that because we think revenge of the sith is the end of the clone wars well technically i think this crash might happen after uh even the final battle of revenge of the sith uh, on mustafar or around that time so how fitting is it that Okay, Anakin's fighting Obi-Wan and Anakin fall finishes falling to the dark side during that. Um, Darth Sidious is fighting Yoda and Yoda has to go into exile because of it. But at the same time, Ahsoka escapes Order 66 and, and all her life, she becomes a Padawan at the very beginning. Um, or I guess she's always a Padawan, but she's been she's given a master. Uh, she becomes an apprentice, I should say. I, I don't really know the exact details of at what point does a Padawan become an apprentice or does that just mean they have a master? I don't know. Um, I used to know these things. But uh, she's given a master very early in the Clone Wars. So pretty much her entire Jedi training, she's told she's being trained as a peacekeeper, but all she does is fight in a war. Um and so she is that is this what the jedi are that that's where that question comes from it's her um that's her entire life and so then uh but if and so if this chapter of her story the clone wars ends on bogdan how fitting is it that where her story began with the clone wars the clone wars her story ends on bogdan with Django's hiring effectively starting the creation of the clones um since he was the template for all of them uh the creation of the clones being hired on bogdan or a moon and bogdan and then ahsoka returns to bogdan at the very end um i don't know i just think that's very poetic um it's really interesting if that's true i hope it's true um or i hope they change it to be true <laughs> because um, otherwise who knows what planet that is um, a lot of people think it's Hoth I don't think so because um, it doesn't look very snowy before um, and not all planets in because uh, I know you're saying well what about seasons uh, as far as we know not all Star Wars planets really have seasons Tatooine doesn't seem to have seasons uh, I don't think Hoth really has seasons maybe cold and colder uh, frozen and more frozen uh maybe it does but we we don't know that's never really been it, it's never been said that it does have seasons we just know that it's an ice planet which leads me to believe it's always an ice planet because that seems like a bad way to refer to it if it's not um there's a lot of idea throughout the uh ending arc you wonder if like ahsoka will team up with a sith darth maul or vice versa and they have some good banter and they use each other very well uh which is really cool um and i'm definitely interested to see how maul uh transitions what he built in the shadow collective which was a collect 
faction, a group of uh, the underground uh, throughout the Star Wars galaxy um, outside of the Hutt's jurisdiction uh, into Crimson Dawn like we see in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Because I think it's really cool. I still want to see the uh, Darth Maul's gaps filled. Uh, super cool. Uh, I talk about Sam Witwer a lot because he's just awesome. He really loves all of this stuff. He voices Darth Maul. Um, he's such a testament to being like a fan inside of the the creative team or whatever. Even though he's a he's just an actor, a uh, voice actor. Um, and that's no slight on Ray Park, who was the Phantom Menace actor uh, of Darth Maul, because he's awesome also. Uh, but uh, yeah, today also uh, on May fourth. They released the first episode. I thought it was just going to be the whole thing. I was wrong. It looks like it's going to be an eight-episode Mandalorian docu-series um, about how it's made or whatever. I'm not quite exactly sure what it was, but it wasn't bad. Uh, the first episode was about the directors who made it. Um, of course, it's pretty much been organized by... Um, uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Um, those two are like at the, the head of the table. Um, and then also directing, if I can find it real quick. Uh, this isn't going to be easy, apparently. <laughs> uh, Deborah Chow, Rick Famuyiwa. I don't know how to say it. Famuyiwa. Uh, Dave Filoni directed a few episodes himself, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Taika Waititi. Uh, so yeah, uh, they get all the directors in there, and it's it's pretty cool, gotta say. Um, I didn't expect to have enjoyed it as much as I thought I was going to. It's only about 20 minutes long. It's like as long as the Clone Wars episode. Um, since it's just talking to the directors, and I'm not usually into that sort of thing, um, but as I've been watching more and more movies, I've started liking it a bit more and knowing who the directors are and uh it was really cool to see what they all had to say and how uh i actually thought a, a lot of people say that bryce dallas howard's episode i think that was episode four was one of the weaker episodes they all talk about how like hers was one of the most technically challenging episodes uh, <laughs> and she i think this was her directorial debut so that's challenging also um, so I was like, wow, maybe she did a pretty good job for this being the first one. I mean, uh, cut her some slack. But because uh, it wasn't, e even if you think it was bad, it wasn't that bad. Um, and I actually pretty like it. I, I don't really think Mandalorian has a weak episode because um, I think they all eventually serve a purpose. Um, but uh deborah chow's episodes were fantastic and listening to her talk about it since i didn't really know her from anything uh because she she did the show mr robot which apparently is super good um but i didn't know anything about it um and then listening to dave filoni talk and also uh the other directors talk about dave filoni and the other actors uh like pedro pascal the lead talk about dave filoni like Dave Filoni is definitely like the heir apparent to George Lucas. Like he talks about how he was, he got hired in it. Um, what his first encounters with 
George Lucas was and George telling him, so this is what the Jedi are. This is how the Jedi keep the peace kind of thing. Um, and Dave, Dave Filoni loves this stuff, lo loves it more than you and I love it, loves it more than any fan. Um, maybe even more than George Lucas, crazy enough. Um, because he came in as a fan um, around the time of Revenge of the Sith and then was allowed to add his own words to it and um, develop George's vision and merge his vision into it. Um, I don't know if they were different at all, but uh, he's had such a creative storytelling uh, take for so long. I mean, Clone Wars had seven seasons. Uh, so like, it's very exciting to see if Dave Filoni, uh, and John Favreau, because of course, every, just about everything John Favreau touches turns to gold. So, uh, it, we're all hoping that they, uh, continue to be in charge of other Star Wars projects because, uh, Obviously, Dave Filoni doesn't really do too much else right now uh, other than Star Wars. Um, so that's kind of his main focus. John Favreau, I know, can always do anything he wants, pretty much. Uh, but, uh, and then one of the directors, Taika Waititi, we just found out, potentially, Taika Waititi's doing a Star Wars movie. Uh, so that'll be super interesting. I don't know if I'm excited for it. I am excited for it, but uh, I, I'm hold, holding a lot of restraint. I, I trust Taika Waititi as a director um, because even though I probably dislike Thor Ragnarok more than anyone, I don't hate the movie, but I probably dislike... I think it's a pretty beloved movie to, to most people, um, but I'm I'm the one person in the room that will definitely knock it down and be like, eh. Um, but last week I was praising Thor the Dark World, so maybe you just hate my opinions. Like I said, there's unanimous indecision. So that's fantastic. Go ahead, hate my opinions. Share your opinions. That'd be great. Um, uh, I don't... I, I do enjoy watching Thor the Dark... Sorry, Thor Ragnarok more than Thor the Dark World. Uh, however, character-wise, I think... Uh, Thor the Dark World does more for the Thor character than Thor Ragnarok does because Thor Ragnarok kind of turns him into a cartoon, which that's okay, but you, I, I I don't I didn't necessarily I liked Thor being kind of uh, the straight man kind of thing um, that jokes are played off of him he doesn't necessarily play all the jokes um, I mean he has a few because he's from he's fish out of water kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so Taika Waititi could be doing a movie, and the only reason that worries me is because Taika Waititi has a very distinct sense of humor, and we see that uh, in IG-11, who he uh, voice acts. Uh, we see a little bit of that humor come out. We also see that in the episode he directs, where the two stormtroopers are just talking. Like, we sit on these two stormtroopers probably for like three minutes, and they radio wait moff gideon just killed his own men like that's what the stormtroopers are talking about 
Like, I, I guess the stormtroopers would definitely become pretty incompetent after the Empire falls. Um, so they're just like, eh, we're we're just getting paid still, but that's nice. Um, and I mean, they're never that good to begin with. Um, and then like. But yeah, there's a lot of definitely Taika Waititi jokes. Do the magic hand thing feels like a Taika Waititi thing. I could be wrong. Maybe it's not. Uh, and so I just hope because I think my biggest problem with the sequels above all else um, is that they don't necessarily feel like Star Wars tonally. There are moments that definitely do um, and sequences that do. But uh, tonally, it doesn't always feel like the same thing. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, about Rise of Skywalker, obviously. Um, and I've actually come back from how passionate I disliked Rise of Skywalker. Uh, think about it more and more. Um, there are more and more things I like about it, especially like C-3PO, Baba Frick. Um, really, that whole planet of Kajimi or whatever. Um is really good and but uh there's just a few other moments i don't like how does that star destroyer with the cannon get there i don't know but anyways <laughs> uh taiko Titi's movie i'm definitely looking forward to it but i'm cautious because uh i'm hoping he can still match the tone uh of what we know about star wars because i don't necessarily want star wars to be this cross genre thing like the mcu is mcu does a really good job of that um but star wars i think does a really good job of being this kind of space opera western uh i think it does a fantastic job of it and so why would you why would you change something that's so it does so good it's already beloved to so many people um, like obviously you still want him to add his own take on it, but hopefully, uh, he doesn't go too wild with it. Uh, even though I do really appreciate Taiko Titi's sense of humor because it's very similar to my own, uh, especially in what we do in the shadows. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I do hope that one of the next star wars projects we see even though they're not talking about it so i doubt it's will be in the near future um which is a real tragedy because i'd love to see even though most of them are aliens i'd love to see the actors come back if they could uh to portray kiati mundi plo Koon, uh Ayla sakura and stuff like that uh, to i want like because the thing that I really appreciate about this, and I've wanted this for a while, uh, about the Clone Wars finale, seeing what Ahsoka went through during Order 66. We already know what Obi-Wan goes through during Order 66. I mean, we know what Anakin goes through during Order 66. Um, and we get a little bit of details about Yoda in Order 66. Him probably more so than a lot of the other Jedi. Uh, but, like... I want like a 30 minute to an hour special for each, at least each important Jedi. Um, like uh, if we get Shakti's final moments, because Anakin is the one that kills Shakti. Um, so if we get her 
building up from she fights Grievous but is defeated and Grievous steals her lightsaber and kidnaps the Chancellor so hers would be a really good story uh, why is Plo Koon's mission so important since he's such a good pilot why is that mission so important why is Keati Mundi's mission so important why they're, they're so spread out um, right when Order 66 happens they're so spread out uh, and so why is each of those missions so important uh, let's just get a little 30 minute to an hour special about it whether it's animated or live action uh, I'd be super into finding out what exactly was going on Megiddo which is where Keati Mundi was why, why is it so important what's on Felucia that Ayla Sakura needs to deal with so specifically um, like obviously there's like the general details that we know about it um, but I just love to see it as a, a story arc it'd be cool to see these I don't even know if you can call them tertiary characters but maybe uh, since they have lines so <laughs> tertiary characters on the Jedi Council that uh, that at least we see those ones die so it'd be cool to see a little bit more of their story fleshed out which the Clone Wars did a little bit but it's always good to have more you know uh, during Order 66 uh, at the very beginning I referenced uh, Death Sticks uh, which <laughs> uh, I, I think it's pretty funny a lot of the Disney Plus uh, tags they have on their movies and whatnot because uh, they'll say like inappropriate potentially inappropriate content uh, other stuff um, the so, some of the films have been modified to cover up like nudity from a 60s Disney movie kind of thing um, and then uh, but yeah so it, in Attack of the Clones it says that it has a tobacco reference and I'm pretty sure that that's the death sticks um, I don't know what else it would be but um, which I like that they taglined it that like warning there's tobacco <laughs> Um, I, I think it's funny, but, um, but yeah, and then just some fun things to think about. I'm going to talk about my own favorite things, uh, since Star Wars has been such a big part of my life for so long. Um, I have on here, uh, my favorite lightsaber fight. Um, it's tough. It's tough because it sometimes changes, uh. I think because in Revenge of the Sith we have a lot of lightsaber fights um, but in uh, that Mustafar fight is awesome it is it's awesome and then even in the sequels we get a few cool lightsaber sequences um, especially uh, the uh, what is it called uh, Snoke's throne room where Rey and Kylo Ren uh, aren't actually fighting each other with lightsabers but they're fighting the Praetorian Guard um, and their weird weapons uh, that is a really cool fight scene in my opinion uh, it's sweet uh, and I know Ian will bring up that there's like a hit that doesn't even connect or something uh, I don't care I don't care uh, I think it's really cool. It looks really cool. Um, 
And then in The Rise of Skywalker, you have a few, but again, uh, most of them are during the Force FaceTime, which is cool on one hand and not cool on another, so I don't know. Um, I mean, I think the Luke Kylo Ren where Luke doesn't even... He, I don't even, no, he does ignite his lightsaber, but he doesn't use it. He never uses his lightsaber, even though he has it. Uh, but he's not actually there, so it doesn't matter. Uh, and, but I have to say, and then Return of the Jedi, that uh, fight between Luke and his father, Darth Vader, that, that one's super cool. Um, and then also Vader and Luke in Empire Strikes Back. Super cool. The Obi-Wan Vader in A New Hope isn't that great. Uh, the the people that went through it and restylized it and added a bunch of stuff, it looks pretty cool. But uh, as it is, it's a little anticlimactic. I mean, Alec Guinness is pretty old. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Luke-Darth Vader fight in Return of the Jedi I think is really cool. Um, it's even though it came out before, but chronologically, um, uh, it's reminiscent of the time of the Jedi Temple. The way they fought with some of them would fight with quite a few flips, and Luke is doing flips and whatnot. And uh, so so I definitely like that. Uh, uh, and then there's the Dooku fight scene in Attack of the Clones. Uh, there is, and, and I'm referring to lightsaber fight scenes as in both sides have lightsabers. Um, even though I think Obi-Wan fighting Jango Fett is a pretty fun sequence. Um, uh, but, and then of course there's, and I'm ignoring the Clone Wars for this because there's so many lightsaber fight scenes in that. Um, even though Ahsoka and Darth Maul's fight is so cool, it's so good. Uh, in the Clone Wars, uh, but ignoring that, uh, I think my favorite fight scene, lightsaber fight scene, is Darth Maul and Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan in a Phantom Menace. Um, that one's so good. Uh, I don't know. It's just like the intricacies of Darth Maul having to balance between two different Jedi and uh, this terrain on Naboo where like they have this weird like just platforms down to like the planet's core or whatever um however this planet works (laughs) um and then the fact that someone dies in it and oh I I mean I guess uh there's also Obi-Wan Anakin's fight with Count Dooku in Revenge of the Sith there's Obi-Wan and Grievous uh like I said Revenge of the Sith has a, a lot of them uh, but then, but the Phantom is that fight scene, um, how Darth Maul manages them and he, even though he's fighting them both at the same time, there are specific times where he, he's able to get Obi-Wan out of the way, or he's able to get Qui-Gon Jinn out of the way so that he's able to fight him one-on-one. Um, and the way they all use the force at the same time during the fight, um, and then what ends up happening because Obi-Wan gets there too late. So Qui-Gon's fighting Darth Maul for too long and Darth Maul's a little more talented or at least catches him by surprise and kills Qui-Gon. Um, and then Obi-Wan kills Darth Maul as far as we know, but unfortunately Darth Maul survives. 
because he's very hard to kill. Uh, he doesn't stay dead. Uh, but yeah, that one's definitely my favorite. Uh, I encourage you to think about your favorite lightsaber fight because there's quite a bit of them now. Uh, and there, there are a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. Uh, of course, Rey and Kylo on the Death Star. The, the ruins of the Death Star uh, on Endor. Uh, and so there, there's a lot of them. Uh, you could also do Mace Windu and Darth Sidious, but Darth Sidious eventually takes down his lightsaber. But <laughs> uh, it, it at one point is a big lightsaber fight. Uh, yeah, it's very lot lot of good, cool action sequences amidst this uh space opera western. Um, and then uh, favorite hero, and maybe my favorite lightsaber fight is a bit biased because it includes my favorite hero, and it's not Darth Maul. <laughs> um, and it's not Obi-Wan, actually. It's Qui-Gon Jinn. I really like Qui-Gon Jinn, even though he's only in one movie. He's not really in the Clone Wars a ton, um, considering he's dead. Uh, but they talk about him a little bit. And he has like a line in Attack of the Clones, um, the Anakin, Anakin, no, uh, when Anakin slaughters the the Sand People, um, the Tusken Raiders, and and then he's the one that ultimately teaches Yoda and Obi Wan uh, how to. Uh, become force ghosts uh, because he learned a little bit of it along the way uh, becoming at least a voice um, which is that that bit is explained quite a bit in the Clone Wars TV show uh, Yoda goes on this whole journey but then but Qui-Gon is such an interesting character to me because like here's a guy who was trained by Count Dooku right Count Dooku was his master um, and Dooku leaves around the time of the Phantom Menace, give or take, uh, maybe just before, I forget, uh, leaves the Jedi Order during that time, um, and so Qui-Gon has, uh, he, he's been trained by this dude, <laughs> um, who becomes a Sith, but at the time they don't know that. Um, cause I don't think they know that he's a Sith until the end of Attack of the Clones. So he's just left the Jedi Order. And then, um, with, uh, with that, he then takes on this apprentice, Obi-Wan. Uh, and he teaches Obi-Wan everything he knows, you know, like Obi-Wan learns so much. Uh, and Qui-Gon, just like Obi-Wan, uh, not like Anakin, they each have love interests um, at certain points throughout the lore. Not in a Phantom Menace, but it's in the extra additional canon. Um, and they have, because like Obi-Wan's is in uh, the Clone Wars. Um, and Qui-Gon's is in a comic book, I believe. Uh, but they, but yeah, they have love interests and they both, uh, they follow the Jedi order of duty before that they, they remain, uh, to the, they stay to the course. 
uh, unlike Anakin. Uh, and so the fact that Qui-Gon is one of these, I mean, we talk about this like chain of very powerful Jedi kind of, uh, that it goes from Yoda to Count Dooku to Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan to Anakin or Obi-Wan to Luke, uh, and then to Ahsoka, <laughs> um, but, uh, through Anakin or Rey through Luke, um, or Leia, but. And so it's uh, Qui-Gon being like one of the last landmark uh, points in this and having direct connections to kind of a bad guy. Uh, but also he's kind of a nobody. Qui-Gon's just a dude, you know. Um, and he's not on the Jedi Council because he doesn't agree with everything they do. So he, he, he will always do what he believes is right. And sometimes that doesn't line up with the Jedi Council. So he's he's the clue to us that maybe the Jedi Council doesn't always do what's right because they're like, oh, well, we shouldn't get involved in those matters. Whereas Qui-Gon's like, hmm, maybe we should. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the right thing to do uh, sometimes. <laughs> uh, and... So Qui-Gon, that's what I really like about Qui-Gon. Uh, it, it certainly helps that he's played by Liam Neeson in the movie because Liam Neeson's awesome. But uh, I also just love his mannerisms um, and the way he behaves and his... He's only in one movie, and I think most people are like, oh, yeah, I definitely respect Qui-Gon, you know? Like... He was introduced and killed in the same movie he's in. Um, Obi-Wan becomes beloved throughout the prequels. Most people say um, if you're only going to give one positive thing to say about the prequels, it's Obi-Wan. Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan. He's fantastic. Okay, sure. But I I encourage you to also look at Qui-Gon because Qui-Gon's in one movie, and yet you already get that okay, now we love Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan looks up to this guy. Like, yeah, we all love Yoda because everyone looks up to Yoda. Um, and Yoda's just a fun, wise dude. A little green guy. And But like Qui-Gon, we don't know a ton about him, and he's just this guy that he disobeys the council, he does the right thing, he frees a child believing that he's, well... Uh, bring uh, peace to the galaxy uh, which eventually Anakin does when he throws the Emperor down the chute um, and then uh, but yeah it takes a while to get there and I mean a lot of mistakes were made which caused that the fall of Anakin but uh, but Qui-Gon is just such a such an interesting character to me um and then lastly, ending on um, a good note, favorite villain. Uh, there's a lot of good villains in Star Wars. Um, whether you talk about Kylo Ren or maybe Kylo Ren's always having the debate, so maybe he's not worth being in the conversation. Um, even though he's my favorite part of the sequels, um, you could talk about Snoke, but Snoke is just Palpatine, a clone of Palpatine. So is that one the same as Palpatine? I don't know. Um, and then you have 
Darth Sidious, you have Palpatine being the villain, uh, ult- the ultimate background villain of everything. Uh, Darth Vader, of course, super menacing. The pretty much the old original trilogy, uh, big bad. Um, and then in the prequels, you have Darth Maul. You have uh, Count Dooku, Darth Tyrannus. That's who that is. Uh, General Grievous. You have. Uh, mm, yeah, and, and then from the TV show and the extended stuff, uh, we get like Grand, uh, Grandma, well, Grandma Tarkin in A New Hope. Um, there's Krennic um, in Rogue One, uh, Beckett and Dryden Voss in uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, and so there's all this extra stuff. And then if you have the TV shows, you have. Moff Gideon now in The Mandalorian, or a bunch of other bounty hunters, Boba Fett, I mean, uh, Cad Bane I think is super cool, uh, he's, I think he's a cooler bounty hunter than Boba Fett, everyone is entitled to their opinion, I think Cad Bane is cooler, uh, mostly because I think Cad Bane could be a good guy eventually, I don't know that Boba Fett could, <laughs> um, I mean I guess Boba Fett could because ultimately he's just a clone, but Um, and the clones were at one time good, but so maybe Boba Fett is redeemable potentially. I mean, he, he's ultimately just a bounty hunter, um, just like every other bounty hunter. Uh, but Cad Bane is definitely my favorite bounty hunter. Uh, I think my favorite villain, and it's really, it's definitely because of the Clone Wars TV show. Uh, without the Clone Wars TV show, it's probably Darth Vader. Um, uh, I don't know because Darth Sidious like if you actually like really look at all his plan and everything and how long he actually waited to kill his mentor Darth Plagueis uh, there's all that stuff oh we didn't even talk about Darth Jar Jar but anyways uh, and so favorite villain being uh, for me is Count Dooku Darth Tyrannus um uh, because, like, even though he's a pawn by Darth Sidious, much like Darth Maul was, um, he believed that he was going to make it to the end. And that's why he's so shocked in Revenge of the Sith when Sidious says to kill him. <laughs> Tells Anakin to cut his head off. Uh, he's like, what? I thought I was going to be there at the end. Uh, apparently not. Uh, and the Clone Wars really builds him up and... Uh, it's really interesting watching him as this leader of the separatists uh, and how he has to lie to the separatists to keep the war going, saying that the <laughs> uh, the Republic keeps doing these ridiculous things when it's kind of his fault that the Republic does those things and it's like in response to him and... Uh, so the way he helps manufacture the war um, for Darth Sidious, uh, I think is just fascinating, and um, how much he like he's like a gentleman, even though he's a terrible guy. Uh, so and like his relationship with Obi Wan throughout the series, and we see it in Attack of the Clones um, that he's he even asks Obi Wan to join him and defeat the Sith and 
I don't know if that's actually his plan or if the Sith are looking for more and more recruits. Because <laughs> um, I believe that they are they were in the process of planning to break the rule of two and already breaking it uh, when they were coming out of the shadows. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's why I like Star Wars and uh, it's always for the past 50 years it's always been a good time to get into star wars because you have the original trilogy then the prequels which people didn't like you have the sequels which people didn't like you have <laughs> a tv show which people thought was too childish and now uh which people thought was too childish you have another tv show which people thought was too childish you have uh the sequels starting to come out you have uh, a live action TV show that people seem to like and another TV show that people say is too childish uh, in the resistance and so like it's 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 Star Wars is this downward spiral that seems to be aging well uh, that everyone looks back and goes hmm that's that's actually not too bad it's actually not too bad um, or I appreciate it more than I did then because of things I know about the Star Wars canon now uh, so, uh, as always, I will always encourage people to go watch the Clone Wars TV show because it is awesome, um, and I love talking about it. Otherwise, uh, go like the Facebook page, Unanimous Indecision, look at the spelling if you need to, uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, uh, we really appreciate it because uh, giving us subscribers um, is kind of Apple Podcasts' metric for um, if you even exist as a podcast. Uh, so that definitely is appreciated, as well as ratings and reviews uh, wherever you're listening to us. Um, this has been you. This has been will be. And we'll be back next week. This is Unanimous Indecision. I don't know what the heck I'm saying. I'm Joshua Troop. We'll catch you next time.